You're listening to the Ignite Sessions podcast, hosted by Virginia Tech Chi Alpha. Our hope for this podcast is to encourage listeners to pursue God's kingdom and His righteousness. We hope you're blessed by today's episode. All right, all right. Let's uh, let's grab our seat. Welcome back. I hope you had an amazing Thanksgiving break. I couldn't have been more happier that the World Cup started over Thanksgiving break because I binged on four games a day for since it started. Uh, and uh, we are, we are, come on. And I'm hoping to be productive this week. For those of you who don't know, the World Cup is a soccer tournament with every nation that qualifies, the best game on the planet. And so uh, you got to tune into that. Hey, again, we're glad you're here. It's hard to believe that the semester is winding down, right? And if you're a freshman and this is the your first semester, I just want you to know they only get faster from here. And by the time you are a senior, they just fly by. You feel like you blink and it's over. So <clears throat> enjoy your time to make the most of your college experience in Jesus. Amen? I, I think it's important for us as a family to celebrate what God is doing in our midst. Amen? That God is uh, speaking to people. That he's revealing the fact that he's true to his promises. That he's, he's in, when two or more are gathered, he's in our midst. This is, this is powerful truth that it's important for us to understand. That the God that we serve is the God that, that is who he says he is in the scriptures. Right? And so when we get down to Saul, we can trust that, that he's going to be there because he inhabits the praises of people. His people, he is there when two or more are gathered in his name. This is the truth of who he is. He reveals himself to us in those moments because he's faithful. He's the God who heals. He's the God who desires to reconcile and bring healing to relationship. He's the God that desires to save. He's the God that desires to speak to you, to have intimate relationship with you, with me, with everybody on this campus. This is the God that we serve. This is who Jesus is, right? It's easy for us to look at signs and wonders, and when we testify, we're testifying to the goodness of God and the the miraculous work that he did in our life. And, And we've said it the last couple of weeks, the powerful thought that Miracles are not God momentary interrupting the natural, but they're a revelation of his character. Let me say that again. Miracles are not God just momentarily interrupting the natural, but they are a revelation of his character. Are you with me? Don't need to say it one more time. Because a lot of you are looking at me like I, you spoke another language in the moment. Miracles point to the reality of who God really is. Does that make sense? It's why Jesus said to his disciples, go out. You guys remember when he sends the 12 out, Matthew 10. He says this, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. 
You're like, wait a second, come again? (laughs) You want me to do what? No, I want you to preach that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. He's telling them that in his authority, they can go and walk in that authority. But the point is that those signs and wonders, healing the sick, casting out demons, raising the dead, all pointed to the reality of who Jesus is. There's a new king in town. This is the good news of the gospel. There's a new king in town, and he reigns. And I'm delivering this news, and I'm, I'm a vessel in which God is going to use to bring forth the reality that his kingdom has come. Do you understand, right? And, and this is what's so powerful about miracles, right? That God is the God who heals today. He's never changed. He, he is the God that does not change. He heals today. He delivers today. He saves today. In fact, every one of you knows that if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus, everyone knows the miraculous power of God to save a soul, right? As a follower of Jesus, I know that he saved my soul, right? That's the greatest miracle that you'll ever see is that God saves sinners like me. Come on. That's good news, right? That's good news. But as we dive into this passage of scripture tonight, I want to look at a miracle, and I want to look at this miracle because it, there's always something deeper about the miraculous power of God that I believe he wants to reveal to us. Amen? Are are you with me? Can we do that tonight? Great, because we're going to do it anyway. John chapter 6, starting in verse 1. This is what the Word of God says in John chapter 6. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes, then he, seeing that, lar- that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said to test him, for he knew himself what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. I want to stop right there because I want to just take a moment and focus on these, this portion of Scripture. You've got to understand Jesus has been now out healing the sick. In fact, it says that the, this large crowd gathered because of the signs that he was doing on the sick. In other words, he was healing the sick, and people were catching wind that, that, God, that there's someone on this earth named Jesus that is healing people. So there, the, the news is spreading about who he is and what he's doing. And so this huge crowd gathers. In fact, it's, it's about 5,000 people, uh, 5,000 men, and probably even more because they Anyway, the long story short, women and, and men in that process, I mean, women and children uh, may not have been counted at that time. But the point is this, there's a huge crowd. And think about this, put yourself in Philip's shoes. So you're hanging out with Jesus, he's teaching, and he looks at you and this crowd beyond, right? Like this, is, this room holds 600, okay? 
So we're talking 5,000. Just let your mind go there a little bit, right? 5,000 people, probably more. And he looks at Philip and he says, hey, we're, we're going to get some bread for these people. And you can just imagine Philip like doing one of these. Are you serious? Please tell me you're joking. Right? Because what happens is, by the way, Philip is the local guy. He's the guy that grew up in this area. And so he would have been the guy to know where to get the bread. But Jesus says that he does this to test him because he already knows what he's going to do. And then Philip decides to tell Jesus just about what he thinks. Are you kidding me? Right? He's like, are you kidding? Do you realize how much money we would need to pay for bread for all of these people? 200 denarii, 200 days wages wouldn't be enough for everybody to have a little. What is Philip focused on? He's focused on the circumstance, the size of the crowd. He's, he's focused on, let me just tell you something. When you start to follow Jesus, if you continue to keep your eyes on the natural, if you stay focused on the natural, you will see the natural. You will think in the natural, and you will walk in the natural. Right? Philip is freaking out, telling Jesus why this is not possible. Because he's so focused on the size of the crowd and what he sees out there that he forgets who's with him right here. Are you following me? Do you, do you understand that sometimes in life, we actually... Don't step out in faith because we're so focused on the size or the, the circumstance in front of us that we miss out on the fact that the one who is the miracle worker is with us. Are you, are you following me? That all of a sudden, listen, here's what I believe. I believe some of us, we start to get fixated on our natural circumstances so much so that we take Jesus out of the equation. We look at the challenge that's ahead of us, and we say, this is impossible. But you know that our Bible says that with God, all things are possible. How many things? All things. Man, I wish we lived that way. I wish we actually believed that. In other words, you may look at your circumstance of your of your future, and it may not look the way you're hoping it to look. But you know who you can trust with your future? His name is Jesus. Your grades, right? This, this week coming up called finals. <laughs> oh. Guess who knows physics? Now, it doesn't mean you don't need to study. Hold on, hold on. I got to step back because I know you way too well, Okay. It doesn't mean you don't need to study. It doesn't mean you, you don't do the work. But how did you get here in the first place? The God of the universe is the God who knit you together in your mother's womb. And the reason why you're here in part of the two, top 2% two in the world is because God gave you the mind to be here. Do you understand? Like God is able to help you. Remember everything you've ever learned in your subject matter. Did you know that? That he can help you recall the things that you study. If you ask him. 
He can actually lead you on what to study. Did you ever ask him, God, help me to study? Some of you guys just need to help focus, right? God, help me put down my phone for 30 seconds so I can read this paragraph and get it in me. You know what I'm saying? You didn't think that was funny. I'm sorry. That was too, that was too real. I'm sorry. But here's the deal. I think, I think things like that, but also how about like, hey, what about the addiction to pornography? What about the, the, can God break that off? Listen, when you look at the circumstances, this is the God that came to set you free. He's able to do it, but when you focus on the, the task or the, the problem, you take your eyes off the one who is able to deliver you from those things. Listen, God is the one who came to conquer sin, death, and the grave. This is the God who is with you. This is the God who's for you. This is the God who fights your battles. This is the God that stands with you. So take your eyes off of what's in front of you and place them on where they need to be, on Jesus. Philip, you got to love him, but he's missing the very fact that the God who is healing people is the God that's with him. So maybe some of you would say, come on, Anthony, all we know at this point is the, the scripture reference is that he's healing people. Philip had never seen God feed 5,000 people. Maybe you're right. But if he's the God of the miraculous, we don't have those excuses. Because we have this. And I'll be honest with you, there are times where I've been in situations where I've not seen God do what he's going to do, and I reacted like Philip. I was uh, leading a mission trip one time, and I took the entire team to the wrong airport. So I found out you can't actually fly out of the wrong airport. I didn't know if you knew that, but if you didn't get tickets from that airport, you can't actually fly out of that airport. You have to go to the right airport. So I, I asked the lady if she could help me out. She said, no, you've got to go to the right airport. I just want you to know that I'm leading this trip with students, and their parents just dropped us off at the airport, the wrong one. Guess how we're going to get to the right one? I'm going to call the parents of the children that I'm leading to a dangerous country, and I had them drop me off at the wrong airport. Ouch. <clears throat> to the pride, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> just kill it. So I got to call, I got to call the parents and be like, Hey, you know, we're at the wrong airport. Can you take us to the right one? So we're at Dulles and we're supposed to fly out of Reagan. Guess what happens? There's no way we're making it on time. We literally get to the airport two hours after our flight left. After. It's eight o'clock. I pull up to the, the counter and I get that guy that you're like, please, Lord, not that one you know, because he's just angry, you know. So I walk up to the counter. He's like, can I help you? I said, well, yes, sir. Could, we need to get to Columbia today. And he says, well, when t- when's your flight? I said, well, we actually missed our flight. And he said, how'd you do that? I said, I, we went to the wrong airport. He's like, how could you do such a dumb thing? I said, thank you, sir. I'll have another. Thank you. And, and so I said, listen, I, I, I just made a mistake. I need you to get me to Columbia. He said, turn around, look at that line. I turn around, the line is like, it's spring break, you know what I'm saying? So it's like forever long. He's like, there ain't no way I'm getting you to Columbia today. I'm like, please, sir, just try. And I turn around to my team, I'm like, you just pray, you know? Like, I'm like, just, 
And, and so he's like, well, how many of there are you? And I was like, there's 10 of us. And I said, we can split up whatever we need to do, sir. Just get us to Columbia today. And he's like, there's no way, but I'll look. I said, thank you. He's like, oh, I got three spots on a plane to Columbia leaving at 9.15. Give me three names. Sweet. Then he's like, okay, I got one more name on another flight leaving at 9.30 to Columbia. Give me one name. And as he's putting in this one name, his jaw drops. I'm like, are you okay? He's like, six spots just opened up on this plane. Three, one plus six, that's 10. We're all in. I had never seen God open spots on a plane like that before. And I hope I never have to again, but I did in the moment. You know what I'm saying? And I got on the plane and I'm going to be honest with you, as, as the leader, I had to be like the one of faith, like, guys, don't worry, God's going to get us. But inside, I was like, I'm an idiot. Where are you, God? You know, like, how could you let this happen to me as if it was his fault? You know what I'm saying? But isn't it amazing how when we, we put our eyes on circumstance, we also even want to begin to accuse God for our own mistakes. But I'm just telling you how, how in this moment, like Philip, man, I don't want to be like Philip. I want to be a person of faith that looks out on the circumstances and says, but God, but the God of the universe is with me. And that changes everything. Do you understand? Like, let me just be honest with you. 30,000 students. I believe Virginia Tech is too small a thing for my God. For other people, if we look at the natural, what does it mean to reach the atheist? What does it mean to reach the agnostic? What does it mean to reach the Muslim? What does it mean? Impossible in human terms, but not possible for the God who died for all of them. Are you following me? And all of a sudden, we cannot put God in a box and say, this is not possible. No, he is the God who died for all. And he's come for all. And he's just looking for some people that believe that Virginia Tech is too small a thing for Jesus. Or a nation. But if we look at the natural and say, we can't go to the Middle East because it's too difficult, it's too hard, we take God out of the equation. Of course, it's too difficult and too hard for you and your own strength. But with Jesus, it's possible to reach those people. Your professor might be smarter than you, but with God, you can reach your professor. Your department, whatever you're studying, your family, oh, their heart's too hard. But with God, all things are possible. Philip, take your eyes off the size of the crowd. There was another with them that day. His name was Andrew, and he's like looking around. Like while this conversation is going on and Philip's telling Jesus why this can't happen. I don't know about you, but I don't ever want to tell Jesus, you can't do this. Like I don't, I don't want to be that guy. I've been that guy, but I want to stop being that guy. You follow me? So Jesus, 
Philip's telling Jesus why he can't do this. It says in verse 8, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here with five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there is much grass in the place. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and he went and had given thanks, and he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. Did you catch that? Two fish, 5,000 people, as much as they wanted. And they had eaten their fill. He told the disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets. Can you say 12 baskets? Okay. How many items did he start with? Seven. Five loaves, two fish, that's seven. Okay, don't anybody be discouraged that you missed that, but... Okay? You belong here in Virginia Tech. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. So they gathered up and filled 12 baskets of fragments with the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Here's this boy, the only responsible one in the midst that made his lunch. And Andrew's like, it's a ray of hope. There's food. There's bread among us. And, and this is how I picture it. So forgive me. This is how I love to read scripture. But I'm, I'm picturing Andrew like super excited. He found this boy with his bagged lunch, these five barley loaves and these two small fish, which were, by the, by the way, the size of sardines. That's what we're talking about. And he brings them over to Jesus. And he's like, there's this boy. And Andrew's, I mean, Peter, Philip's like, but we can't do this. And Andrew's like, oh, there's this boy. But yeah, maybe how, how far could that go among so many? And I love that Jesus doesn't even address that. He's like, <laughs> have the people sit down. But you might miss this aspect of the miracle. He's known as a boy. Now, I have two boys, 14 and 11. And guess what's one thing they don't share? Food. They're poor sisters, right? Like, they go starving because these, these boys eat us out of house. There's never enough food in the house. But they don't share. But this boy's like, I'll give it to you. What a weak offering. I think sometimes we miss out on what God wants to do is because we think that if we have a weak offering, Jesus can't do anything with it. We, we, let's just even talk back to the nations, right? Like, talk back to the nations. Oh, how, how can, or when we have missionaries come and you're like, I've only got 10 bucks. What's 10 bucks? What could God do with 10 bucks that you can't do with $10? If he could take five loaves of bread and two two fish and feed 5,000, what could he do with $10? Do you see what I'm saying? Like, what could he do with a life surrendered? What could he do with your life if you fully surrendered to Jesus that you couldn't do in and of yourself? And then I think we're always wanting to reserve because we have to play it safe. Like, we want self-preservation. I love this boy because in the moment, like, would we have this miracle if the boy doesn't surrender what he has in the natural to the God of the supernatural? Like, I don't know. But this boy's like, here, take my lunch. You can have it. And that's not even where it stops, right? Like, 
How many, I mean, think about this. This boy's mind is blown because when he gives him five loaves of bread and two small fish, Jesus like pick up all the fragments and there's more left over than what he started with. Seven items, 12 baskets. I'm just going to assume that 12 baskets full is more than five loaves. I got one laugh. Thank you. Appreciate it. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like, wow, God can do more, far more with what you have in the natural than you could ever do with it. What happens if we live the life fully surrendered? What could he do with what you have in the natural? What could he do with your degree? What could he do with your talents that you could never do? What could he do with your, I don't know, I didn't have anything else. What could he do with your giftings, with your talents, with your finances, with your smarts, with your degree, with your life? But far too many of us aren't like that boy. We want to hold on to it. And we tell God, you can have this area of my life, but you can't have this area of my life. Notice that the boy didn't keep one fish for himself. What he was like, here, take it. His mind had to be blown. And although that's powerful, and although people began to see, I want to I show this to you really quickly. If you turn one page or get, head over to verse 25, what's happening is here is after this moment, the next day, Jesus, he sends the disciples back across, but he doesn't go with them. People are like, oh, Jesus didn't go. Where is he? We got to find him. And so they go looking for him <clears throat> in Capernaum. They're looking for Jesus. And then it says this in verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, then what sign do you do? that we may see and believe in you. You're like, are you serious? Another sign. What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not grow hungry, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. I can keep going on, but I just want to I just want to pause. I think it's powerful in this moment because these guys are seeking him out and Jesus rebukes them. He calls them out. What do you mean, Anthony? What does he call them out for? He calls them out that they're not seeking him because of the sign, but because their bellies were full. 
And the reason why Jesus says that, you're like, wait, I thought we just talked about how like signs and wonders point to the reality of who Jesus is, right? And this is exactly why he's rebuking them, because they miss out on the reality of what Jesus is revealing to them by providing for them from the food that he is, we sang about it, he is Jireh. He is the God who provides. He is the God who takes care of. All of a sudden, he's revealing his nature and his character, and yet they're more concerned with what they could get in the physical than they are with who he really is. This idea of, you know, I wasn't seeking his hand. I was seeking him. And do you know that that God loves you so much that if you seek him, like we talked about a few weeks ago, he will meet your needs. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you, right? When you seek first the kingdom of God, his reign and rule in your life, that he is everything and his righteousness or right standing with God, when you seek that out, when you, when you understand this is the one pursuit of my life, this is where I'm headed, that all of a sudden what happens is that things begin to happen because he loves you too much. He wants to transform your life. He actually wants you to become the man or the woman that he created you to become. Did you know that? Actually, way more than you do. This is the God who desires you to not pursue earthly things, but pursue the eternal. That's what he's like. Come on, don't go after the things that perish, but come after that which is eternal, which is him. That we would run after God, that we would set our gaze upon God, and we would pursue God. This is what he's calling us to. But like, I think sometimes in life, man, we really are just like those people. We're looking for Jesus because we need him to set us free from this or to, to heal us from this or to, to, you know, like we just want this handout. You know, we've all prayed that prayer. God, if you just do this, I'll follow you forever. If I just make this team, if I just pass this test, since that's really near and dear to your heart, right? You, you don't understand what I'm saying? We've all prayed that prayer, haven't we? But you don't, you realize that's just asking for a handout. That's not really seeking Jesus, right? Seek Jesus. Pursue him. This is what the rebuke was. That the very thing that you're looking in for in life, this is what Jesus is saying. I'm the bread of life. I'm the thing you're looking for. I'm what satisfies. You come to me and you won't hunger for those things because what you're searching for, what you're longing for is the eternal aspect of what you were created for, relationship with me. Nothing else will satisfy you in your pursuit of things that perish, right? Because they're all going. You can't take it with you. You can't take your degree to heaven. You're not taking the D and you're not taking the A. You know what I'm saying? You're not taking your athletic prowess. You're not taking what you bench at the gym. You're not taking it. But you know what? All of a sudden, we live for those things and we pursue those things as if they matter more than anything else. But what would happen if a few hundred people at Virginia Tech would start living for Jesus, pursuing him for who he is more than what he can do? 
Now, here's the thing, right? Miracles are revelation of his character. He's the God that provides. Those things will come because we're pursuing him. But if you pursue him for more of what he can do than who he is, the moment that he doesn't do something the way that you want him to do it, peace. I would love for an army of people to stand before a, a ruler, a king, or a burning furnace like Meshach, Shadrach, Abednego one day and said, I know he can deliver me, but even if he doesn't, he's still God. Do you understand? You want to talk about radical faith? I'm pursuing Jesus with that intensity. My eyes are locked on him. That's who I want to be. That's what I want to see in a generation, that men and women will pursue Jesus with everything they got. And watch what begins to happen when we have faith to believe that he is the God of the miraculous, that he is who he says he is. Instead of taking things into our own hands or saying, God, I'll do this if you do that. Friends, you don't get to bargain with the king of the universe. But that we would pursue him. Our gaze set. We're coming after you, Jesus. And that's the beauty of this. Is that you probably have so much need. More need of Jesus than you realize even right now. But we can get so focused on one thing, one thing. God, if you just, I need you to deliver me from this. I need you to change me here. I need you to heal this relationship. I need you to erase this memory in my life. I need you to do this. I need you to do that. I need you to do this. And he's just saying, just come. Guess what? When you come to me, all of these things that you're hungering and thirsting for will be satisfied only when you come to me. Only when you come to me. You hear the voice and the sound. The same thing that he says to these people is the same thing he says to the woman at the well. If you would have known who asked you for a drink, you would ask me for a drink and I would have given you living water and you'd never thirst again. Sir, can I have that water? Because every time she went to the well, she was reminded of her shame and being an outcast of society. I just don't want to remember that. But Jesus wanted to do more. He wanted, him, he wanted her to know him and come after him. And so tonight as we, we close, I, 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 w- I could tell you story after story of times where God, by his grace, was so patient with me for pursuing more of what he could do than who he is. But as someone that's a little bit further down the road than you, let me just encourage you. What happens if you start now? He's so worthy. He is so worthy of our attention and our affection being on him, that living a life surrendered to him. 
He's the God that made a way for you and for me. As the band comes back, here's how we're going to close tonight. Perhaps there's some people in this room tonight that, man, maybe, maybe you don't know where you stand with Jesus. Maybe you've either never surrendered your life to Jesus, or maybe you have surrendered your life to Jesus, but you recognize that you haven't really been living for him. And I want to give you an opportunity tonight to to fully surrender your life. This is the, the God who loves you. This is the God who made a way for us, right? He took our transgression. He took our iniquity upon himself and he hung on a tree, appeasing the wrath of God as he died on the tree and he rose again, conquering sin, death, and the grave so that you and I could be reconciled to a holy God. This is what Jesus did for you and for me. And he does desperately, right? He desires you and me to walk in intimate relationship with him. So if you've never made that decision, if you've never said, I want to follow you, Jesus, would you be the Lord and Savior of my life? If you've never asked him to do that, tonight's the night. And so if that's you tonight, I just want you to slip up your hand. If you're here tonight and saying, I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior, I want you to just slip up your hand right now. Is there anyone here that would say, that's me? I want to be fully surrendered to Jesus. For some, maybe, like I said, it's this is your first time or your first time in a long time and you recognize that you haven't really been living for Jesus. But you're like, I, I'm, I'm coming home today. I'm returning to the Father's house. Is there anyone here? Just slip up your hand. All right. For the rest of us in this room, I just want to encourage us. Perhaps maybe right now, you can all stand with me. Go ahead, stand with me as this... Perhaps you've been, you realize you're in a circumstance right now like Philip, and you're actually been telling Jesus why things are the way they are and why they can't change. You're so focused on the, natu- the natural, the, what the circumstance is, that you are struggling to believe that Jesus is with you. I'm going to invite you to come forward in a minute. That, that could be, right, your battle with sexual immorality. That could be. You, you know, a broken family life back home. Like, man, my parents, it'll always be this way. Listen, let me tell you something like that. Statements like that have no faith. Like, this is the way it's always going to be. No, God is the God that changes people. He changes circumstances. He is who he says he is. And if you begun to believe that things are always going to be this way, listen, right now I want you to come and lay that down at the altar because my God, the God who's in our midst is able to change circumstances. He's the God that reconciles relationship. Maybe there's people right now that you've given up hope. For a sibling. 
for your parents. Maybe there's some people that right now you're so riveted with anxiety and fear, you can't even see Jesus and in your future. You know what I'm saying? If that's you, I want you to come forward. I want you to lay it down. Get, get at the feet of Jesus. He's here with us tonight. There's other people in the room that you recognize there's something that you're holding like this. <laughs> there's something that you've got. Maybe it's your future. Maybe it's your talents. Maybe it's something. And you're like, man, God, I'll give you everything else but this. But the, God's calling a generation. Would you, would you surrender what you have in the natural that he could do something supernatural with it? And I don't know what that could be. That could be your career. That could be your degree. Like maybe there's some people that you're like, you know, God, I'll give you my life, but don't call me to the Middle East. Don't call me to to the nations where I might lose my life for you. Don't do that, Lord. I'm going to hold on to my degree, right? Like I'm just telling you right now that perhaps maybe there's some people in the room that God is challenging. Maybe to lay it down like Abraham laid Isaac on the altar. Just to see that you would love the promise giver more than the promise. Amen. Are you following me? And so if you're here today and you realize there's some things in the natural that you're holding on to, could be a relationship, could be, right? And God's just asking you to give it to him. Look what he did with his boy. The boy had more leftover than he had when he started. Some of you need to believe that God's able to do that. Some of you don't believe that if I surrender to God, that I actually, right, like there's, there's, a, there's a blessing that comes. I may not fully understand it and it may not happen as fast as it happens for this boy to see the miraculous outworking of God's provision in his life, but that you can trust him with what you have because he can do far more with it than you could, you ever could. And for some of us, that's just our life. Let me just tell you right now, for some of us, that's just our life, that you would trust God with your life. Some of you want to hold on to your life. God, I'll give you everything, but I I want to call the shots. And if you're here today, I want you to come forward. Lastly, maybe you've been seeking God for more of a handout than for him. God, if you if you just do this, if you just do that, I'll I'll follow you for the rest of my life. And Jesus is saying, listen, don't pursue. Don't pursue what perishes. Maybe some of us have been pursuing things that perish, that won't be with us forever. And he's asking you to set your gaze on him. If that's you, I just want you to come forward. I'm going to pray. And this band's going to lead us. But I want you, before you engage in worship, if you've responded, to let the Spirit continue to deal with you, right? Let, let, let the Spirit continue to deal with you tonight. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for tonight. We thank you for what you're doing. God, we say we love you, God. We love you, Jesus. We want to love you more. God, we love you and we want to love you more, God. We say, come, Lord Jesus. God, help us to set our gaze on you. God, I don't want to tell you what you cannot do, but I want to see you for who you really are. God, I want to know you. I want to come after you, God. I don't want to to make excuses for the supernatural things that you want to do in our life. God, I don't want to be fixated on the circumstance any longer. I set my gaze upon you tonight, knowing that you're with me, knowing that you're the God who makes a way where there seems to be no way. God, that you're able to do it, God. And I choose to put my faith in you. I choose to believe that you are the God that can turn, make a highway through a sea, that you can take 
God, uh, dry bones and, and, and raise up an army. God, this is who you are. God, it's who you were. It's who we read about. It's who you are today. You don't change. God, I pray, God, that you'd help me to surrender, God, everything I have in the natural, everything you've already given me to you, God, to you, God, because I know you can do far more with it than I ever could. God, this life, God, my finances, my degree, my, my future, God, I just thank you for that, God. My family, God, my family, God. Some of us just even need to surrender our own families to Jesus, right? And so, God, we just thank you for that, God, right now. Come on. God, we choose to be like the little boy, and we give you what we have. We give you what you've already given us so that you could do far more with it. And God, we just ask God right now, God, that you forgive us for in any way. God, we've really just been pursuing you for what you can do rather than who you are. God, and that I would set my gaze on you and just come after you, knowing that I seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. All of these things will be added to us, that you'll take care of us. God, you'll take care of us, that you're the God that cares deeply for us. And so we just thank you for that tonight. We thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God. Just want to encourage you to keep pressing in as the, t- as the band begins to play. If you're not responding, feel free to worship with our band. Thank you for tuning in to the Ignite Sessions podcast. To learn more about Virginia Tech Chi Alpha, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it using the hashtag TheIgniteSessions. We'll see you next time.